Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Basement Talk. I am your host, Ed Birdsall, along with my co-host, Brett Mayer, Tim Brady, and our producer, Matt Birdsall. Guys, what's going on? How's it going, everybody? Thank you for coming again. Episode four. Let's get it going. How are we doing, everybody? Hope everybody had a good weekend. Let's get it rolling. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us. And, of course, we have another guest for this episode, a particularly special, special, special guest of the episode. So when the FCC comes after us, we have our representation. Our counsel is here, our lawyer, Mr. Greg Olson. Greg, how are we doing? Good, good. OJ's innocent, so Thank you, know, you. See, just want to lead with that. Greg, Greg, you can come on the podcast anytime. That man did nothing wrong. A- absolutely. We are an OJ-friendly podcast. Some yeah. of us are. Yeah. But you did mush the bills this weekend, so yeah. you know, it's your yeah. fault. It, it is my fault. And yeah. No, no, it's, it's not my fault. It's ESPN's fault. Oh, true. The ESPN crew true. did pick the bills straight through. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest, that's yeah. the biggest jinx in the world. It's the biggest jinx in the world. At least he's not blaming the refs this time. That's true. Oh, oh very true. Well, listen, oh. I've had some very positive responses from my uh, ref rants. Um, a lot of people have agreed with me on, on, my, on my takes. So uh, I'll just t- I'll take your word for it. So I'm, I, just put, I just want to put that out there. A lot of people have agreed with my takes, and I appreciate everyone who has reached out and said that I was right in this situation. So for what we got for today, we got some NFL playoff review, wild card weekend. We're going to wrap it up and talk about it as best we can. We're going to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. He is going into the NFL draft. We'll have some reaction, and we'll discuss that on where he may go. Uh, Mike McCarthy, the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will be talking about that as well. And we have some family feud at the end, America's favorite game. So first, one quick question, gentlemen. And this is a more of a personal question that I'm going to ask you, but I asked you guys to really dive into the memory banks here and see what we can come up with. What is your earliest sports memory? Anybody want to get theirs? You want me to get mine? Uh, I'll start off with mine. Go ahead. Um, mine would be a little bit of a negative memory, but it did birth a bit of a, a fandom in me, I guess. I was uh, thinking of the Aaron Boone home run walk-off in the 2003 ALCS against the Red Sox. That one, I remember watching that game with my parents. I was young. I don't really remember the game too much. You but were four years old. <laughs> I, but I, I still remember the reaction among my parents. I was laying in their bed and not understanding why my parents were so mad about something until I, this, if it happened to me today, I'd probably be just as mad. So I guess it makes sense. Aaron Boone's a great guy. We, this is a pro-Aaron Boone podcast. Yeah, until he loses two games in a row for the Yankees, and all of a sudden everyone wants his head. That's that's not true. That that's unequivocally false. I'll see you in July. Uh, I I yes, you will. You will see me in July, and I will see you in July as well, Mr. Mayor. You please. want me to go? Please. My first sports memory is Game Seven of the 2006 NLCS, when Andy with an E Chavez robbed a home run from the St. Louis Cardinals in the sixth inning. I'm sorry, it wasn't Carlos Beltran not taking the bat off his shoulder? No, I don't remember that. Okay, that didn't happen. No, yeah. Okay. Six-year-old Brett does not remember okay. that happen. Yeah, many Mets fans don't remember that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not even a Mets all fan. Right. Yankees all the way. Yeah. The but way. that's, when I first thought about it, I thought it was going to be the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl 2007. I clearly don't have the memory like Tim does over here, because <laughs> I don't remember anything before five years old or six years old. But that, that was my first. I remember just going crazy watching with my parents, even though we're all not, or Mets fans, we're all Yankees fans, but... My family's not really into sports too much, so that's the first one that we got. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's an underrated one, too. That Game 7 in the NLCS between the Mets and the Cardinals, that was one of the one of the first baseball games that I can at least like remember me actually going back and saying, wow, that was just an unbelievable game when Adam Wainwright just completely went the wire and just said, all right, I'm just going to do this myself. 
and get the Cardinals back to the World Series, and he did. Greg? Um, as a long-suffering Giants fan, um, in the 2002 playoffs against the San Francisco 49ers, the Giants blew one of the, their biggest leads ever and lost 39-38. I will never forget this because my dad decided to take every article from the, the Post, the Daily News, from unnamed newspapers, and uh, he just made like a collage about it. And uh, it sat on the basement wall for like a good fifteen years. That sounds very depressing. Yeah, it was horrible. Jesus, that sounds like a very like yeah. Giants esque fandom thing yeah. to do. So uh, never gonna forget that one. I'll never forget watching it either because Matt Bryant sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you want to give yours? Or you want me to give mine? Oh, I'll go right now. Go, on, go ahead. Please. So mine's easily gonna be Super Bowl forty two Giants versus Patriots. Really? The That's Inter- it. That's as far back as you can go. Well. I'm so sorry, my memory. No, no, I, no. I, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Very I'm so no. no I, I'm just shocked because that was what 2000 and 2007. Yeah, 2007. So what? It's a good memory. 2008, actually. Yeah, 2008. 2008. Seven years old. Okay. All right. That's fair. Come, come, come me some fucking slack here. Damn. Yeah. David Tyree's helmet catch, the most probably one of the most infamous plays in Super Bowl history. Uh, Paxo Barris just fade into the end zone to win it. Uh, can't get better than that. Go Giants. Hopefully, uh, good things are on the come up for us. So mine is when I was three years old. Oh, great. And because I, 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 there's a picture of it. That's the only reason why I, I know I was there. April 18th, 1999, I had to look up the date. It was uh, Wayne Gretzky's last professional game as a hockey player at Madison Square Garden for the Rangers against the Pittsburgh Penguins in a 2-1 overtime loss. I was there with my dad. And he had an assist that day on Brian Leach's goal. And at the after the game, they all came out. They all honored Wayne Gretzky and his last game as a professional before he turned into a head coach and was shitty at that. But yeah, I was, uh, I was there for Wayne Gretzky's last game. Now you, you talk about there being a picture of your moment. I just want to clarify. I don't fully remember my moment, I guess, but I'll call it a memory because my parents have talked about it so often yeah. and explained my reaction to it that it almost feels like I remember it perfectly. If you want to talk about something I actually remember, like I can vividly picture it, that was the 04 uh, U.S. Open at Shinnecock Killers with my dad. I went to that with him. I remember... I, I looked it up because I was curious if it was raining. My dad said it was raining too, but all the weather reports from the uh, historical archives say it wasn't. But I remember there being rain because there was puddles everywhere. And I know my dad said that a couple from Texas on the shuttle bus had a fondness for me, and I was talking to them the whole ride. So I guess some things don't change. You must be a charmer. I guess I am. Now, can you tell me who won that 04 U.S. Open I without looking? Uh, Anybody have any guesses? Phil Mickelson? I know Phil Mickelson was uh, in like the contention. He was in contention, yes. I know he came in second. It was was South uh, South African. That's correct. Oh. um, Louis Saison? No. No, no, no. no. Goose. Retief Goosen. Goosen. That's correct. At Shinnecock. Retief Goosen. (laughs) I wish I knew who that was. I remember that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's the guy. (laughs) One of many of uh, Phil Mickelson's second place finishes at the U.S. Open. Another one came at Beth Page. That was lovely. That was a lovely question. Love diving back into the uh, memory banks there. Trip down memory lane. What, yeah. What else do we do around Clearly here? we're washed up. Yeah. <laughs> very, very washed up. We didn't go far enough back. No. Yeah, we should have gone back to like 1986. We, we, we should have. 1974. Yeah, when I was just chilling the yeah. daddy's ball sack yeah, exactly. doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks. Well, all right. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a picture. That, that, is, uh, that is a picture. <clears throat> anyway, let's talk about some playoffs, shall we? How we all do this weekend? We we all okay? This weekend fucking sucked. If I can point <laughs> out the obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this, that was a this... good weekend. The Patriots lost. Anyone want to know my record this weekend? On the pick'em. 
Oh for four. I got one. I was one and three. I got one right too, and it was the Patriots. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, wait, wait! One and three. I picked the Seahawks. Just kidding. Okay. Sorry, Brett. Damn, I went two and two. Oh, 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 this guy, this guy, the overachiever here. Two and two. Two and two. Big guy. Wow, look at this guy. So let's talk about this uh, this Texans Bills game. Texans won twenty two to nineteen in overtime. The Bills they were in uh, cruise control for that first half, up sixteen nothing, and then it all came crashing down, didn't it? Uh, Josh Allen was. Careless with the ball. Lucky to not have three turnovers in this game. Should have been picked off twice, including a pick six. That that laterally tried to. Um, yeah, that was uh, that I was try something. To get in the mind of an athlete sometimes and just understand maybe why they made an error. I got nothing for that. No, I, I had really, nothing for it either. I got nothing. I don't know, love Josh Allen, but that was that was ridiculous. My yeah. <laughs> There were moments where he looked absolutely brilliant in that game. Then there are moments that you just scratch your head and say, Josh. You're trying to do too much. But I'm not going to put all the blame on Josh Allen because I did say it was going to be as far as Josh Allen was going to take them. The play calling in that second half was just dreadful. Specifically in overtime. Oh, it was so bad. They were running empty set personnel the whole yeah. time in overtime. Like, they're just showing their cards. What are exactly. they going to do? They're going to pass. Exactly right. And it didn't help that their leading receiver in that game was Devin Singletary. It wasn't even a receiver. Devin Singletary was a leading receiver. I think he had like I believe it was six catches for seventy-seven yards, something like that, or something like and that. The only person to catch a touchdown in that game was Josh Allen. Yep, yep. yep. The only person to catch a touchdown for the Bills was Josh Allen. And you talked about them being on cruise control in the first in the first half. They had a nice lead going. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the end of that half, when there was about thirty seconds left on the clock, and instead of going for a first down and hopefully taking a shot at the end zone, which they had plenty of time to do, time was in their hands. They decided to. Belly up, go for the field goal from about 47 yards out. And from that, I saw that happening. And, you know, it wasn't terrible, but the lack of aggression there in a playoff game really kind of set the tone for what was going to be the second Absolutely. No, that's absolutely right. Uh, Greg, what do you think? Uh, my biggest pet peeve was watching um, whenever the Texans would just figure out, okay, if we just rush five, Josh Allen's never going to diagnose the blitz. He's never going to call out the, the coverages. They just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And the Bills never adjusted to it. What Brett said, they would always do empty sets so he wouldn't have any protection in his backfield. It just was basically like, and of course, everybody was drooling over J.J. Watt getting through because, you know, the whole J.J. Watt narrative is, you know, he's a good man, can't, you know, will never knock what he's done, but we get it. He plays football. ESPN needs that guy that they have to, you know, piggyback onto. But it wasn't J.J. Watt who won them the game. It was basically a collapse on the Bills' end and the fact that Deshaun Watson spun out of a miracle sack attempt by the Bills in overtime. I will never understand that. And the Texans' defense as a whole really played pretty well in that second half. The first half, they looked like the defense that everyone was scared of coming in, saying they really didn't have much of a secondary. Uh, They were going to really over-rely on J.J. Watt to be the answer. He wasn't the answer for the entire game. It was just the secondary of the Texans just really stepped up and made it tough for Josh Allen to find holes where he can get the ball downfield. And it, the Bills just, like like Greg and like Brett said, they just never adjusted to that at all. And that's what ended up being the downfall for them in the game. And you got to talk about the adversity of uh, Deshaun Watson, too. Yeah. That man was sacked seven times, and he still went 20 for 25 with a touchdown and no picks. He had yeah. a clean game for someone who was sacked seven times, almost like he's used to getting sacked seven times because his yeah. offensive line doesn't protect him at all. And he also carried the ball 14 times. 
Yeah. And he had the 20-yard uh, rushing touchdown. He had a nice day on the ground, too. Yes, producer, you want to say something? Oh, I have a bone to pick real quick. So, shout-out to the bartender at Ornero who decided with a minute 16 left in the football game to turn on the fucking Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this idiot decided that he was going to switch the game. I don't think I've ever ran faster to a bar in my life that wasn't for a drink. <laughs> I, I can I can attest to that. He uh, he was the hero in that one. He was uh, he was Clark Kent looking like Superman. He he ran up to that bar and said, "Hey, you, you need to turn on the game right now. This is a minute to go in regulation. We we need the game on pronto." That, that was, was a, that was a very good call. Man man of the people. Unreal. Man of the people. I want to talk about more about the Texans for a second because. They didn't look particularly good the first half, obviously. Second half, they looked good. Overtime, they moved the ball. Was it that the Texans' offense stepped up in the second half, or was it more that the Bills' defense just folded? And for for me, I think it's the Texans' offense stepped up, but I still have reservations about them going and playing the Chiefs. I, I mean, it's it's a different animal. The Bills, I love the Bills. They're going to be a great team, but the Chiefs are a great team. And it's going to be a tough, tough, tough task going into Arrowhead and beating the Chiefs, which, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to do. I mean, Deshaun Watson had a hell of a game. I really think you got to give a lot of the credit for what happened in that game. Yeah. He came through in the second half, and he clearly shows that he has that winning drive in him, that mm-hmm. he wants to get every game on his side. I mean, also, interesting stat saw during the game, ESPN's nice graphics that they show. The, the Texans were 0-22 previously when trailing by 16 under Bill O'Brien. They were 0-22, and this is their first time winning. It says a lot about what happened in this uh, play call on the Bills' side. And, I mean, I know we are a very um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Anti-Bill O'Brien podcast, at least some of us are. Anti-head coach Bill O'Brien. GM, great guy. Oh, the GM is a great guy. Well, what are do our opinions change at all of Bill O'Brien after this? No, I mean, uh, not no. one bit for me. No, I think no. more the Bills lost the game than the Texans won the Correct. game. I'd say so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say the Bills completely folded. Sean McDermott, all head of coach of the year uh, arguments out the fucking window. Eh, I don't well, think so. They do base it off the regular season, oh, so I'll give them the benefit of doubt on that. Uh, but I mean, Sean McDermott isn't in charge of the offense either. He's a defensive guy. So really, if you're, if you're going to go after anybody, you're going to go after Daryl Bevel, who's the uh, offensive coordinator. Brian Dabble. Brian, Brian Dabble. Dabble. Thank Brian you. Dabble. Darren Bevel's the guy in Detroit. Very close. Did, I, I was thinking about Carrion. I saw a nice tweet from Carrion Johnson today. Wow, of course you did. Did you wank to it? Yeah, you wank. You're going to keep <laughs> it. That's, that's, that's shocking. We, uh, we are a uh, pro-wank podcast, but at the same time, uh, keep it to yourselves. I just want to give a last shout-out to the Bills punter who took the knee at the end of the game. Uh, for the Bills right before they kick the field goal. Uh, his last name is an acid trip. I don't know how the hell to say this. A Bjorkes. Bushwise What is it? Bjorkes. I just see Bushwise Is that Spanish or is that Scandinavian? I don't know. I think it's Spanish. It's Spanish. His name's Cole. There's a Quez at the end. But if you're going to call him Bjork, I'm going to have to say it's Scandinavian. I thought it was like Bjorkes. I'm going to go with Bjorkes. Corey Bjorkes. See what they have on this guy. Very odd looking. He is very he odd. He had looking. a very interesting mustache. Well, he is a punter. Punters are their yeah. breed. Hey, hey, excuse me. Punter, punters are people too. Punters are people too. We are a pro punter podcast. That's the, true. That, try, try and say that three times fast. 
pro punter podcast. Oh, you see him on Sunday? So I got no idea where he is. I think I'm going with Spanish he's on this one. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going with Spanish. Right. Yeah. He's got to be Spanish. Uh, this is hell. This is wonderful radio. Uh, <laughs> this is where you pause the podcast and you go uh, Google uh, Corey Bjorquez and you go see what he looks like and you can make a decision for yourself. You can understand our fascination because yeah. subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment and let us know what you think Corey Bjorquez is. Also, Josh Allen had 46 attempts in this game. That's just way too much, especially yeah. for yeah. having a 60 to nothing lead. Yeah. Watch, sure. Watching them down the stretch when he got sacked twice before they had the last chance possession, he got sacked twice when they're at their own or they're at the, the Texans like 25, 30 yard line. They're in that area. I was screaming at the TV. You can't be taking those sacks no. down the stretch. No. And then after that, he decides to pitch it with a minute left in the game when they're yeah. at the 50 yard line. Was, you can't have that happen, man. No. But I, I think, too, that it's a good thing that Josh Allen was able to experience this kind of game. Experience that kind of loss. Nah, it's 100% first playoff game jitters for him, especially for yeah. a guy from Wyoming playing in Buffalo all season. He's had two prime time games in his yeah. whole career. Yeah, like, it's only going to be it's only going to be good for Josh Allen. And like I said, the Bills Hopefully. are going to be a great team. They have a ton of money to spend in the off season. I genuinely think that Josh Allen is only going to benefit from a loss like this. I, I really do. You're I really do. Be, you're not going to be too happy with me yet. They got to like go with Franklin Gore. That that's that no no no. Franklin, I'm sorry, Ed. No. We're gonna have to face my something. guy Benjamin Franklin Gore. Nope. Over here. No, no, no. 2.8 yards per carry yesterday. That's okay. Man's that's too okay. old for the playoffs. It could have been 2.7 yards per carry, but he got 2.8. That's good enough for me. <laughs> it's Franklin Gore. He can't do anything wrong. What Carlos Hyde do? 16 for 48, three yards per carry. All right. Oh, there he goes. Oh, so they gotta cut go. Carlos Hyde too. All right. Carlos Hyde needs to be out of the league. I mean, I don't see Carl Side getting a uh, gold jacket anytime soon. They'd have more touchdowns than Franklin Gore, though, on a one-yard reception. That's – we don't talk about that. We are a pro-Frank Gore podcast. We're going to get him on as a guest one day. All right, let's move on. And I'm, I'm going to let him know that everyone in this podcast is talking about him. Texas. In a negative light. Frank, I love you. Hope, hopefully you're listening. Uh, next game up, we have the Ryan Tannehill-led Tennessee Titans against the Patriots. Titans won this game 20-13. to Tim, would you like the first word, sir? You are giddy with anticipation. Um, I have three words. Uh, foreshadowing in Foxborough. I told you guys last week, I hate to be the guy who's, I told you so, but I told you so. Um, you know, it really wasn't Ryan Tannehill who got it done, though. That was my. That was what I was basing this off of. I said that Ryan Tannehill has a great record of 4-7, and seven, I believe, or 3-7 and seven maybe against uh, Tom Brady career. Uh, this was all Derek Henry, though. Ryan Tannehill had 72 passing yards. It's okay. And after my uh, little um, speech last week about why the Patriots were screwed, I wonder if Bill Belichick heard that because I gave it all to Ryan Tannehill, and it seems like he also went after Ryan Tannehill in his whole, I'm going to take away your biggest threat because he forgot about Derrick Henry. Clearly. Who went for, what, 180 yards? 182 yards? 182 yards, and then he had a 20-yard reception, so 200-plus yards of offense. I mean, it seems like he didn't really do what he said he was going to do. No, 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 no. I mean, did Ryan Tannehill have much to do? I mean, he only, like you said, he only threw for 72 yards, but... He was 8 for 15. He didn't yeah, do what anything. did he have to do? No, he really didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't have to do anything. I mean, when you have... When you're giving Derrick Henry the ball 34 times, it was clear what the Titans' game plan was. It was... Control the clock, run the ball, drain the clock, and do what you got to do to score points. That was it. Because they were confident in their own defense where they could say, okay, we'll put our defense out there. We'll double Julian Edelman. And bam, done. Game over. And it it worked. Greg, 
Um, I just want to say that the dynasty is not over. Ooh, that was going to be one of my yeah. questions. I can get behind that. Because um, yeah. Patriots, they pulled this after the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Oh, the dynasty's over. The dynasty's over. Matt Patricia went to Detroit. What are we going to do? Oh, we're just going to win another Super Bowl. It's the same thing. You see Josh McDaniels get all this hype about, oh, he's going to be the next head coach of this team, of this team, of the next team. You know, he's going to go to the Giants, the Colts, whoever. It's all bullshit. He's going to go back, and he's going to go back to his safety blanket, who is Tom Brady and that systematic dump it off to your James White or your Sonny Michelle offense. I can't stand it. I'm not impressed, and I'm not buying into this dynasty is over crap. It's a bunch of bullshit. So you're going to go on record right now, and you're going to say if Tom Brady is back there next year. Correct. You're going to say if Bill Belichick is back there next year. Yeah, why not? Why the hell would he leave? Well, why I mean, I, I know. Why I would know. he leave? Where would he go? He, if anywhere, he would go to your New York football Giants. That was going to be my hot take later. Yeah. But <laughs> the Giants can't even fucking, couldn't figure it out. No. With no. Bill Belichick at the helm. No. Matt, do you have anything you'd like to to add to this conversation? I'm beyond disappointed in the New England Patriots. Uh, <laughs> I said it. Mm, I look like a fucking idiot. I will never doubt them again. Well, guess what? I can get all my complaints about, oh, you picked the Patriots. Meh, 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 meh. Yeah. I, I expect Venmos from the Patriots players. You guys owe me $10. <laughs> so so how, how do you feel about um, about your man, Ted Karras? Did he uh, did he let you down? Oh, shout out to the center, Ted Karras. Hopefully he, uh, you caught my beer and you drank that beautifully. And uh, I'll be looking for you at the next par- uh, parade, whenever that is. Uh, just a little uh, disclaimer. Really we are all over the age of 21 years old. Just saying. I'm really disappointed we're not going to be able to go to another parade. Oh, that was all I was looking forward to. Hey, you could uh, find the nearest uh, city. You could, you could root for the Baltimore Ravens. They're close enough where if they win, you can go to Ravens parade. Oh, I'd rather <laughs> run myself over than go to Baltimore. I will not that go to that city. That sounds fun but dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So many jokes. Yeah, so, so many I, jokes. I got some notes here. Uh, my first bullet point was the uh, baby, the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby. That's pretty much what I have again. A.K.A. Derek Henry. On cue. Uh, my second bullet point was Derrick Henry caught a pass, his first of his career. Yeah. No way. Unofficial stat. Oh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he had 35 total touches and 34 of them were carries. That's ridiculous. He's running through the holes the size of Lithuania out there. The Titans offensive line is the most underrated offensive line in the league. I couldn't agree more. Derrick Henry's like six foot five. Well, they need to Looks have like those giant holes. He's about 325. Yeah. And he's not getting touched running through the line half the time. No. Well, they got to make these massive holes for a massive individual. And then, like I've been saying for the past week or so, the Patriots never found their identity on offense. It was really the same thing as they've been doing for the past two months. They just couldn't get anything going on the ground or in the air. They they don't have any receivers that can get open. Nothing special from any running backs. They don't really have a tight end. I know Ben Watson probably caught, what, two passes, three passes? I think he he did two. But besides that, they just couldn't find their identity. And that's why they lost. Let me yeah. let me ask you guys this, because this was something that was going through my head as I was watching the game a little bit. Do we think that possibly that the Titans are doing to Derrick Henry what the Cowboys did to DeMarco Murray? And that they are trying to just run him into the ground, only to not re-sign him, and then just say, okay, we'll find somebody else. No. I, I don't think they are. But it's it's just a it's just a theory. We should have known he's in a contract year this year, man. I didn't even realize that. I know. That's one of those things that you kind of have to realize halfway through the season. You see a guy running his ass off like that. 
you almost have to look up. Is this guy playing for a contract right now? And he's playing for a damn contract, man. That's a hot yeah. fantasy take, too. Always draft guys that are in contract years after their first contracts. That, that's Always. not even a hot take. That's Always. Just, yeah, no, that's actually just, that's just a rule. playing for their point. cash. Yeah, that's yeah. just a rule. And I think, um, honestly, the boy Derrick Henry has deserved in that catch. He he has deserved it, 100%. The only problem with Derrick Henry right now as a fan of him and someone who wants to see him succeed is that if the Titans decide not to give him his money, someone will. And teams paying running backs top dollar these days aren't seeing the full value of that come through. And I hope he doesn't have to go rot somewhere because some team overpays him when they should be paying other positions. Especially when you change to another team. Especially if it's a team that doesn't have the same offensive line as the Titans and then right. realizes halfway through the season, hey, Maybe this wasn't all him. And not to take away any credit from him, but you need, you need a line to run behind. Like, nah. It's not all on one person. 100%. Like, what other team is going to give you 35 touches? I not guess, many. Not many. Not many. And the teams that will aren't going to see those go for 180 yards. It'll be 35 touches right. for, like, 90 yards. I mean, you, you look at the teams right now that need a running back, just clear cut. The Buccaneers, do they have a great offensive line? No, not they can't good. run the ball for shit. You have the Houston Texans. Do they have a great offensive line? Do they no. have an offensive line? No. no. They can't run the ball for shit. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, can they? Oh, don't get my but that's not, that's not the team for him, though. Nah, no, it's not, that's not the they're, more of a fit, they're more of a fit for Melvin Gordon than they are for Derrick Henry. I don't yeah, I see agree. them going after either of them just because of the fact that they have a lot of other positions that they need to pay and stuff like that. Yeah, it, I, don't I agree. The, I don't think they're the team to overpay running back. No, I, I agree. I mean, there's, there just is not a team right now out there that I think is worth Derrick Henry going to where he could be better than he is in Tennessee. No. I just hope that's not for like some ridiculous amount of money. I mean, he, he deserves his money, but that's just not what running backs to, like, are, are worth these days. I mean, they could easily fill that position with someone of a similar size and style, and they could probably do just about the same thing he's doing. Look, Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, they reset the running back market. Not in a good way. No. Not in a good way at all. And we're all four players getting their money around here. This Absolutely. Is, it's just it's just based on the fact of how teams are built these days with the salary cap. A yeah. running back isn't worth what they're getting in the market. Yeah, but the, the good thing for the running backs is this, that the top four passing teams in the league this season all did not make the playoffs. The top four rushing teams did make the playoffs. So that is, And they're still in the fold right now. Yep, and they're still in the fold. So that, that is something that is going to help the case for the running backs and Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon to say that I should be getting paid, like, top dollar. Who were those top four rushing teams? It was the Ravens, the 49ers. I should have seen those two coming. The Titans and the Seahawks. Titans and the Seahawks. Thank you very much. Yeah, granted, the Seahawks are down to their fourth string running back. Yeah, yeah, and a guy that hasn't played football in a year. Still look good, but, I mean. Yeah, look fine. Look fine from the one. Uh, Travis Homer. I mean, I mean, we'll get we'll get to that game, yeah. but we have a lot to talk about the Seahawks. We do. <laughs> Um, a lot to unpack. A, a lot to <laughs> unpack, yes. Uh, let's go to the Sunday game. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you I was that? just excited to talk about this Sunday Oh, okay. All right. Well, because all I had to say is obviously. Obviously. Yeah, of course. This game of course. Because no one realizes this was at 1 o'clock, and this isn't a Kirk Cousins true primetime night game. This yep. is Kirk Cousins at 1 o'clock where he thrives. It's just something we all should have seen coming. Everyone had the Saints. I think 95% of money in Vegas or New Jersey betting was given to the Saints, and Vegas cleaned up on this one because yep. they, they obviously knew something that we didn't. I mean, 26 to 20, the Vikings over the Saints. Uh, I mean, look, we want to give shit to Kirk Cousins when he doesn't perform, but when he does, we got to give him credit. Kirk Cousins stepped up. Drew Brees did not. Again. 
I'm still not giving him credit, and I'm also ready to not give him credit in his next game that he wins too, because they're playing at 4:30 in the next game. And it's oh, just, so you need you need an 8:25 prime time game Monday that night. Kirk Cousins wins for you to give him credit. And not just a Monday game. Just I need. It, is it really the problem that he's if he plays not in the one or four spot that he loses? Is that really the problem? Because if it is, I just what is he then? How high can you put him up if he really cannot win? No. Those I, games. I mean, I don't think that many people are going to put Kirk Cousins very high up on the QB ranks despite this win. I would say that Kirk Cousins is probably... He's getting paid like someone who is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But we can't control what he's getting paid. I mean, the Vikings needed a quarterback bad, and they decided, okay, let's give him a fully guaranteed deal. Sure. But where I would put Kirk Cousins in terms of where he ranks as a quarterback in the league, he's probably a top 15 quarterback. I guess, yeah. He can get the job done, and, yeah. and, and he did. That throw... To Adam Thielen in overtime, the forty-three yard bomb. Beautiful. That's a dime. That's yeah. a dime. No, you can't throw a nice ball. I will give him that. When he wants to. Yeah. When, when he, he wants, wants to. When it's still sunny out. No, I think yesterday was the best situation for Kirk because, literally, as you said, ninety-five percent of people that bet on this game picked the Saints. Yeah. Nobody expected that yesterday. No. Nobody gave him any chance to do that, so he he came out with the chip on his shoulder. It was the best scenario for him. Nobody was counting on him to do anything yesterday. Everybody thought he was going to be. Terrible. And I think that was the best situation for him going into yesterday. Greg, do you, you have, have no expectations? Do you have one word to describe the Saints? Frauds. They're fucking frauds. Thank you. I am done with the fucking Saints. You see, after the first play of the game yesterday, when the Saints got called for, like, a, I think it was a defensive holding penalty, you know the fans I mean? just yeah. booed the hell out of the refs. Oh, even though it was oh, clearly the script was written. No, of, course of course it was a P.I. call. Of course, of yeah. course there was a fraudulent P.I. call. Ooh, you wanna, we, we want to talk about that? We're last, dropping Fs. I like we want to talk about that last play? It just, I, was, I was getting there. Fraud, I'm no, no, we got fraudulent, contentious. contentious. There's a contentious P.I. call because I think that the NFL does it on purpose at this point. Uh, Quick, I, let's just go around. Was it P.I., yes or no? I hate Saints fans, but I think it was. Yeah, I think it was too. No, I think it was clean. No, I think it was clean. I'll give it to them. I think it was P.I. I think when you see him fully extend his arm like that and you see a little bit of a nudge to the corner, I think that's a call that should be made. I think most of the time when you see a receiver extend his arm fully, it's usually P.I. I usually give the receivers in that case 50-50. And I'll, I'll say Kyle Rudolph gets the benefit of the doubt. And I'll, I'll say it was touchdown. It's fair. I just think the ball was so perfectly thrown that no matter yeah. what, Rudolph had the better chance of getting it over the, Agreed. over P.J. Williams. I, I think if P.J. Williams had just fallen down to the ground, yeah, he, would have he, had, he would have had a better shot. Exactly. If he got shoved and fell, they're throwing the flag any time. Yeah, absolutely. Offensive pass interference. Is, but. There, is there any sense of a rule where with a defensive pass interference, they'll say if a ball is uncatchable, it's not even worth calling a defensive yeah. pass yeah. interference? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. For the offensive catch, though, I'm saying if – if a guy makes a move, but the ball was still in the position where he only could have caught it anyway, or is there any kind of limitation on calling an offensive? No, I don't think th I don't think no, there, there is. Isn't. I think if, I think if the receiver makes a move that is deemed to be pass interference, regardless of the catch is catchable or not, mm -hmm. I think it's still pass interference, and they get the the penalty for it. Interesting. I believe so. Um, I mean, look, I can say that it wasn't pass interference. I believe the NFL should have reviewed that play. They should have at least taken a look at it. They put that rule in place for a reason, and they just didn't use it. And it's funny that they didn't use it because all season long it's been useless. Yeah, oh, it's, been, it's been useless. I but now it's a thing because comes, of the Saints. It's a yeah. thing because of the Saints, and in a situation where it can come out and just tell the Saints to fuck off, 
and that it wasn't a pass interference by review, they don't even bring out the review. So yeah. what's the yeah. point of all this what's shit the point? we just went through this season? What's the point? Where we saw all these terrible reviews. Tim, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. That's spot on. Yes. yes, go ahead. So from this game, my favorite stat came from the weekend. So leading this New Orleans Saints rushing game with four attempts for 50 yards, Taysom Hill. Hey, he was great yesterday. Was. <laughs> There's so many things in this game, just obviously. Like, Sean Payton obviously made Tayton Hill the leading rusher in a playoff game. Like, look at this guy. He's ridiculous. Like, Fuck Alvin Kamara. He decides that he wants to stick himself inside me one more time. And he scored. Him. He scored yesterday. Oh, just again. Lovely. Of course he did. Wonderful. I just find it kind Dickhead. of. I find it kind of ridiculous though that in a do or die situation where your season is reliant on one game to continue, you use your marquee running back seven times. Yep. I said. I mean, that's been the story of the Saints all season with him, though. Uh, but that's also, I think, it's it's also been. The mo of Sean Payton a little bit too. You could talk. We talked about how great of a coach he is. There's no denying that. Oh, but yeah. we've seen him in certain situations. He just gets too cute. And Greg yeah. and I were talking about this during the game. And Greg made a point where he was spot on. And I hope he elaborates on this a bit more. Where he said Sean Payton was looking to pad the stats of Drew Brees, and that was it. Yeah, essentially, I would say that um, he was abandoning the run game. Drew Brees is in a contract year. He is at the point in his career, am I going to retire? I have every record in the book right now. Do I really want to put my body on the line for another disappointing season? Or should I just retire on top with, you know, 547 touchdowns, almost 78,000 yards passing? Drew Brees and Sean Payton were made for each other. (laughs) Essentially. They really were. They really were. You know, Drew Brees made Marcus Colson into an insane receiver. And then, luckily enough, you know, Michael Thomas comes on the scene. And, holy shit, you know, let's have another Marcus Colston, Drew Brees connection again. Shout out Hofstra right, University. Uh, Damn straight we can. <laughs> Go Pride. Um, Roll Pride, baby. I just thought that, you know, Sean Payton, he just gets too cute. He just he abandons what works. And then, you know, Taysom Hill. Getting the ball was the only bright spot they had yesterday. It's true. Truly. If your it's name really wasn't true. Taysom Hill, you were getting stuffed by that Vikings defense. You can't take away from the Vikings defense yesterday. They were phenomenal. They were. They really, really were. Another fun stat from this game. In the history of the New Orleans Saints, they have played the Vikings four times in the playoffs. They beat them once. And that Ooh. was the 2009 when they had the whole entire city on their back and they won the Super Bowl. Oh, that, that was year. Bounty Gate. That was versus Brett Favre. Yeah, that was Bounty uh, Gate. That was uh, when they murdered Brett Favre on... Live TV. That's crazy. Oh, that, that crazy that was, hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that and was Kurt the bounty Warner. season. And Kurt Warner. And Kurt Warner. Wow. Double murder. Yeah. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook. He oh, looked yeah. outstanding in this game. Two wanna... touchdowns for Dalvin Cook. Um, are we ready to say that Dalvin Cook is in the elite tier of running backs in the league? Because I, I am and I have been for, I think, at least half the season. I think he's certainly one of the most talented running backs there is. His speed is Top ridiculous in the league, tops in the league. The way he cuts on a dime, running. The way he finishes runs speed. too is just it, it's insane. I think a lot of people have been ready to say that for a while. The problem was the injury history, yep. and I think mm-hmm. this year, almost in a way, him getting injured and then coming back and still performing was a big chip on his shoulder. That mm-hmm. shows that all right, I'm past this guy's. Hopefully, knock on wood for his career. I mean, I don't want anything to jinx him, but hopefully, this is a point in his career where he's turned the tables and said, you know what, I'm going to push through some pain. 
and I'm going to be the guy no matter what. Yeah, and it, it helps when Kevin Stefanski wants to use him. And that's what Mike Zimmer wants to do. He wants to run the ball. Kevin Stefanski was hired to do so. He is Gary Kubiak in his ear, and they're running the ball. And it's paying dividends because Dalvin Cook, he looked great. And he looked like the best running back perhaps in the game. Yeah, I want to mention the Vikings halfback toss play that they run, I think, 50% of the time. They must average about 10 yards per game. It's so effective. It, it, it's insane. Besides that last drive where Cook almost fumbled for the touchdown, it's like automatic. Yeah. It's the third most automatic play in NFL history behind the Philly special yep. and Anthony Lynn's two-point conversion on the charge. <laughs> Every time they get at least five yards, I feel like. I, think, I, I just think it's, it's outside runs with the Vikings. I just don't know what it is. When they're going outside the tackles, they, they're great. Well, it's, yeah. when, it's when you're going straight line into the pile is when, for some reason, the interior of that offensive line just can't hold up. No, it's because when you get Cook on the edge in space and you let him run, you let yep. him... You let him do his thing. I think, and he can do it. And his and do. his knee, his knee looks great. There, there are no more concerns with Dalvin Cook and that knee. I mean, this was the year that Dalvin Cook was going to show up, and he did in a big, big, big way. And now you just got to look forward to him running against the 49ers. This could be an unbelievable matchup. I also want to. I also want to mention how good is Adam Thielen. I forgot how good he was. Welcome oh. back, Adam. Yeah, welcome, Thielen. welcome back. He My son, bald. Guy. He made Lattimore look like a does, fucking child. Yeah. Does Stephon yeah. Diggs hate Adam Thielen? Um, I think, I think Stephon, Stephon Diggs hates everybody. Correct. Because every time yes. Adam Thielen is back and being what he is, Stephon Diggs seems to be having a problem on the sideline. Oh. The, the best thing that Stephon Diggs was great at on, on Sunday was throwing a world-class hissy fit. You know, I didn't mean to give you, you just, a like, You just triggered the Stefan Diggs. No, 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 no. I just realized. Like, what is, what, why Stephon is he Diggs shocked? Hater. Why is he shocked that he's not getting targeted? He's up against Lattimore. That's a big surprise. No, no, that's fair. I mean, he is up against doubled a lot of the games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just seems that when Adam Thielen's playing and Adam Thielen's the guy, Stefan Diggs is Absolute. Mr. Patty Face. I yeah. Mean, he's on the sidelines. You really think so? If you, I if know you, so. If you ever hear a bad story about him, it involves Adam Thielen with at least 100 receiving yards. What bad story did he have yesterday? What am I missing? Yesterday, that thing came out about him about ha- I think it was at halftime where he was on the sidelines, like looking all the body language was off. Oh yeah, he had no targets. Yeah, he had no so targets. He had no targets, half. no catches, and was, I don't even I don't know. Okay, but the that, first half. that's but every receiver. Exactly, it's every receiver. It's, okay, you know, especially fair. the receivers lately. You know, if and he probably wanted another Minneapolis miracle moment for himself. Probably. You know, he's, you know. Damn, I'm not liking yeah. Stephon Diggs slander. No, I don't mean to be the guy to slander Stephon Diggs. I do appreciate no. what he does in the field. It's just, it seems like he really thinks he's a number one when he's a 1B. Hey, you know what? He's going to get his opportunities, though, next weekend. He's going to be away from Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's going to stay on his side of the field, be able to move Diggs around. Thielen's going to be in the slot. And Diggs now is going to have an opportunity to have a really good game against a really, really good defense. Plain and simple. So now let's go to the last game of the weekend, probably the one with the most talking points to it. The Seattle Seahawks, 17. The Philadelphia Eagles, 9. Of course, the one the one thing that everyone's talking about is the hit on Carson Wentz. Uh, was hit from behind by Jadeveon Clowney, and his head just completely rammed into the turf. Left the game, diagnosed with a concussion, did not return. Josh McCown took the reins. Just love to see it. Um, but... I think the one talking point is here we are again. And you could talk about the dirtiness of the hit, the dirty nature of the hit. I mean, we just we get to this point over and over and over again with Carson Wentz 
where he just seems to have injuries, Greg, in, in, in the worst time. I like Carson Wentz. I hate the Eagles. Don't get me wrong. But I think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. He deserved better than what he got yesterday. But the Eagles should have never made the playoffs. That's just that's for another time. I don't know how the outcome would have been. I still think the Eagles would have lost. They probably would have scored more than nine points. But I would love to see you know Wentz have like a full season with like healthy receivers instead of throwing to these 18th string, you know, gym teachers. It's true. It's just you know, give him Deshaun Jackson, give him Alshon Jeffrey for 16 games. Eagles are going to go 13 and three. And even a healthy Zach Ertz yeah. who's playing that game with a couple broken ribs and a punctured lung. I mean, exactly. I mean, I think a healthy Eagles team, even with Carson Wentz going down, would have put up a real good fight in this game. Yeah. Especially when you consider yeah. the Eagles yesterday had two receivers record passes. Two legitimate wide receivers recorded passes yesterday. And one of them played quarterback in college. Greg right? Ward. Greg yep. Ward. Like, this is kind of ridiculous what they're working with here. And to still make it a game. I mean, 17-9 is nothing to throw out and forget about. No, not at all. It's a one-possession game. It's a one-possession game, especially exactly. in today's game, the two-point conversion. And it's just sad to see another season ripped away from Carson Wentz by injury. And you say what you will about Carson Wentz, whatever your opinion is on him. It's still the fact is that he gets injured and loses seasons to injuries that he doesn't deserve to. I mean, the, that hit yesterday was ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous, yeah. And I love Jadavion Clowney. I'm putting this all in the NFL. That's a hit that the NFL refs need to realize has happened. And he should have been gone after that. I don't think yeah. it was in a dirty nature. No. But I think it was a reckless and harmful play. And that's something that you need to watch out for. These refs are supposed to be the highest graded refs for the season. And you have a crew that you have five officials on the field and no one's going to throw a flag for that. I mean, they they threw a lot of flags in that game. And they threw a lot they of flags. They threw a lot of yeah. flags. So. In the words of our good friend Adam Schefter, assault. Assault. Period. <laughs> I mean, as a Giants fan, I want to see the Eagles suffer. But Oh, me too. But the jury's still out on wins for me because I want to see him lose as a healthy man. I don't want to see him lose – Injured, so like that's the thing. He that's the thing. Yeah, that. the Eagles. Uh, this year, the Eagles just really, really got to me because, you know, they had to run the table to get into the playoffs. Okay, so you beat a two-win Giants in overtime, a game that they should have never won. It was just the Giants tanking because they realized that, oh shit, this is a meaningless game for us. We're just going to lose draft stock. A three-win Washington team, who were in the same boat as the Giants, an inept Dallas team. Basically, with Fair. a lame duck, <laughs> with a lame duck coach, and then a four-win Giants team with a fumbling Daniel Jones at another home game for the Eagles because MetLife Stadium is a shithole, <laughs> and Eagles fans drove forty-five minutes up the turnpike to go to the Giants game. Cowboys realistically blew it. Yeah, and you know it. Yeah, no. So the Eagles should have never been in that position, and Carson Wentz's brain should have never been mush. So, no. so this is all Jason Garrett's fault. Good job. Yeah, good well, job. He should have been fired six fucking years Congrats. ago. But I mean, we have uh, we have Jerry still running the show. On to the Seahawks. Um, we can talk about Russell Wilson all we want. We can talk about Marshawn Lynch. I'm going to take the time to talk about DK Metcalf. Yes, please. Zakalen Zakarias. Seven catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown. The question that I asked was, who the hell was going to step up for the Seahawks? We have yeah. our answer, yeah. and I think that this is the de facto number one in this offense. I really do. He I really, really do. Certainly has turned into it over the past couple of weeks. Absolutely. I mean, you saw Tyler Lockett had a hell of a start to the season. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, he did. Something happened towards the end of the season. After I think Tyler did miss a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah he was hurt. Yeah. And after that, it seems like it's just 
He's taking he's taking a step back. It's all DK all day long, and it's as it should be. As it should be wonderful to watch. He he is a big time receiver. I mean, just flat out. And there were teams that passed on him twice and just completely ignored him because they thought he was going to be a health concern. That maybe he wasn't the flashiest guy in the world. But you know what? You don't need to be you know shifty. You don't need to be the best route runner in the world. But when you're 6'4", and you're a behemoth, and all Russell Wilson has to do is just throw the ball up, and odds are he's going to come down with it. I mean, you don't need much skill to do that. That's just God-given talent. And I think what I have seen from DK Metcalf is he is a really, really good receiver. So he, and, and he's better than Corey Davis. Would you yes. say he's like um, Josh Gordon when he didn't smoke weed? One second, I, Greg. One second, Greg. <laughs> Answer the question. I would say that he is not as talented as Corey Davis. Oh, my. What does that even God. mean? It's, That's such not a bullshit Not as answer. talented as Corey Davis. But, move on. But I, w- <laughs> I would say that going on to what Greg said, that there are some similarities between him and a very, 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 very poor man's weedless Josh Gordon. There are some similarities there, yes. I will say that. It's the, I'm bigger than you, I'm more athletic than you, and I'm just going to use that to catch a football past you. Correct. That's Correct. 100% right. Which is a brand of football that I thoroughly enjoy. Oh, that was awesome. oh we all did. It's great. It was great. We all did. And I, I just want to point out that Marshawn Lynch, by the way, stole the spotlight, in my opinion, with his six carries for seven yards, but he had his touchdown, and that's all these Seattle fans are going to care about. Of they're, course. Yeah. They're going to completely throw this DK performance out the window and just look at their <laughs> my Marshawn Lynch's back with his six carries Holy for seven yards. shit. He had six carries for seven yards. And one touchdown. Yep. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Travis Homer had 11 carries for 12 yards. <laughs> Have a day the rushing game, baby. So you know, so you know the, the Seahawks make the Super Bowl and they're on the one-yard line again. You know they're running it now. Well, Marshall Lynch is averaging 1.2 yards per carry in the, in the uh, playoffs right now. Perfect. So that's a very efficient play. Perfect. That P. Carroll, stick to that. I just got one problem with DK Metcalf. Go ahead. What's that? What's with his, like, eye black? Have you seen that? The cross over his eye? Yeah. Oh, I saw that a lot this weekend. What is he, like, it's a, just a It's yeah. a single member? Is it the single cross or no, is he, he a bowl? He puts, like, he does it like this. eye black, like, vertically. Yeah, it's it's down. Through his eye. Yeah. Through the eyebrow. Another stripe. Like I think they're just try- I think they're just trying to get creative at this point. Yeah. You know, drip is a so. very very big yeah. statement, and you're well, playing a game wear, if you're an athlete. He does wear like three nose rings, and he wears a dangly earring too. And he's got the freaking binky for a uh, for a mouth. Oh, that's, that's best in the league. That's best, best, best in the league. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk, you want to talk about a guy who's got drip? I mean, Except for hello. the one guy, I can't remember who it is. It looks like he's a kazoo in his binky. There's like a little wind turbine in his binky. Oh, that's Benny Snow on the Steelers. I think that's what you're thinking. Yeah, he's like a little wind turbine. He has like a fidget spinner on his on his mouthpiece. Is this a thing? Oh, oh yeah. You haven't yeah. seen the videos? Oh, second time doing bad radio on one podcast. What are we doing here? Oh, yeah. He's got like a mini fan in it. I'm dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the thing makes a little... Let me say. Probably his hair. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's like spinners on a, fr- on a rim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. Any uh, any other takes from uh, Wild Card Weekend? Um, the Seahawks about? defensive line was great yesterday. Yes. Very good. They did a very good job. Lane Johnson being out definitely hurt. The uh, the Eagles for sure. Um, one thing we did miss on Wild Card Weekend. Sure. You said something about the. Uh, this is supposed to be the best refs of the season in these games. Yeah. Uh, did anyone else catch that um, fair catch situation in the end zone 
in the uh, Texans game? Uh, no. Did you guys didn't see the that? Oh, I saw that. The yeah, that was the beginning of the half. Yeah, when the referee yeah. was in the end zone right next to a player, uh, the player signaled to the referee, not in a fair catch motion, and he did not kneel or anything like that. He kind of gave a gesture to the ref like, I'm not running. Here's the football. Yeah, tossed it. Tossed in the football, and the ref's like, that's not my problem. And the Bills come down the field, and they take the ball and scored a, quote, touchdown. Until some man in an NFL referee hat and a black ref. jacket on the sideline comes running on the field. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not how we're doing it this season. I completely forgot to bring this up before. but Well, that's a yeah, that's dude. a very good Super job, Ben. You didn't that see that happen? Ridiculous. No, because we were probably celebrating my mother's birthday. True. So, yeah. happy birthday, Donna. Happy birthday, happy Big birthday. Dick. I got one more stat to point out here. Go ahead. Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Taysom Hill, and Russell Wilson, all quarterbacks, yep. led their team in rushing yards this weekend. <laughs> love this. <laughs> that's awesome. That that's insane? fabulous. I love the NFL in 2020. The, the death of the running back. It's amazing. <laughs> Derrick Henry, you're not getting anything next year. I'm sorry, bud. Nope. Not yeah. getting a damn thing. Not getting a dollar. Okay. So, we are going to talk about some Tua. He declared he's going to the NFL draft. Shocked is a way of putting it. I think it's a good move for him. But at the same time, it all comes down to how his hip heals up. They said he's going to be ready to go for workouts and things like that. He'll be ready for football. And three months from the injury, we are a month out from the injury. So he's got two months, so he's ready to go. Hugely successful collegiate career at Alabama. Uh, One national championship a Heisman runner-up, but personally, I am surprised, but pleasantly surprised, that Tua is declaring. I mean, good, good for him. When you said shocked, I was a little worried at first, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm happy that he's making the right call. I One thing that I'm going to have to back down on a little bit with my take on Tua going into the draft, I've always been a big fan of Tua going into the draft this year. However, I did think he had a... Um, insurance policy on his draft status. That is not what his insurance policy covers. His insurance policy is actually through the school, and it only regards a career-ending injury. Nothing to do with his draft stock. So it still is a good move for him because the hypothetical situation I came up with that would blow that situation would be him going back to Alabama, suffering another injury that's not career-ending, and then these teams have this whole, he's an injury-prone player and they're not going to draft him in the top couple rounds so I think it's a good move by him to go to the draft this year and I mean I've always liked to I always thought it was a good guy good player good quarterback but I mean I just have overall concerns about him at the next level there's no question the guy can win there's no question the guy is a competitor he's tough as nails we've seen him basically go through games on one leg and manage to pull out results or at least attempt to pull out results but we're talking about a dislocated hip. That was the same injury that ended Bo Jackson's career. I know modern medicine has improved since Bo Jackson was in the National Football League. But still, it, it, it is going to raise a lot of medical red flags when he goes through that process at the Combine and then all the pre-draft interviews and workouts and everything like that. Teams may shy off from this and say, you know what, it's too big of a risk. There are other quarterbacks in this draft. We firmly expect Jake Fromm. He's going to be in the draft. Uh, you have guys like Justin Herbert that are going to be in the draft. Jake Eason from Washington. Not even talking about Joe Burrow because he'll go number one overall. That's fine, whatever. When I look at all those quarterbacks, I think I'd rather, I'd much rather have being Greg and I are big 
Jake Fromm guys. Yep. Uh, I'd, I think I'd rather have Jake Fromm right now over Tua. He's a safer pick. I would say Jake Fromm's more NFL ready, but Tua puts asses in seats. He sells jerseys. He's a marketable player. Jake Fromm had a down season, you know. Granted, Georgia as a whole wasn't weren't as good as they have been in the in years past. If I'm, you know, if I'm the Dolphins, the, the Buccaneers especially, I'm looking at who puts asses in the seats, who can sell me season tickets. You know, these teams are not stupid. They're going to do their homework. Personally, I would rather have Jake Fromm. But from a business standpoint, because, you know, NFL loves their money, I would take Tua over, you know, Jake, especially Jake Eason, even Herbert, you know. Yeah. It's, you, you look at the name. You're not going to get Burrow. Burrow's going first overall, no doubt about it. Yep. But who's the second guy that you can get that'll, you know, maybe jumpstart your, the popularity in your fan base? I would say it's Tua. Yeah, for me right now, I have it. The top five quarterbacks are Burrow, Herbert, Fromm, Tua, and Eason. And I, I mean, I still think Tua is going to be a first round pick. I think that that is a stone cold guarantee. I think one of the Dolphins' picks in the late teens is probably where I think his landing is if he does fall. But would it surprise me if the Dolphins decide, you know what, this is a high character guy? He comes from a good program, knows how to win. Brian Flores, we all know the culture that he's trying to set in Miami. Would it surprise me if the, the Dolphins took him at five? No, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, I actually have a little about a little bit of a hot take on two uh coming to the draft this year. Um, this injury problem might be a blessing in disguise. It might be. Because one thing with being a quarterback and getting drafted first or second overall is what kind of teams get the first or second overall pick? Teams that are in an absolute dumpster fire situation where their team is nothing that can be turned around by one single player. Someone who has a pick in the late 20s in the draft, who Tua might fall to, that just needs a quarterback to get them over the hump, he could get into one of those situations now where he's later in the draft and a team with a little bit better of a surrounding cast for him gets to pick him, and that might be something that could definitely benefit his career. For sure. I mean, I look at, like I, like we talked about, the Dolphins, great spot for him. Uh, Greg mentioned the Buccaneers as another potential spot looking for a quarterback. Look at the Chargers as well. And, I mean, here's a hot take possibly, but... I look at the Raiders, and I say to myself, if they're not sold that Derek Carr is the guy going to Las Vegas, and as Greg said, you got to put asses in seats. Yeah. What better guy to do that potentially than than Tua? We all know the ship that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are trying to run out there. They don't really give a shit if you're talented or not. If you're a high-character guy and you have a sliver of talent, they're going to bring you in there. And I would say Tua is more than just having a sliver of talent. I would say that Tua is very, very, very talented with just a lot of medical red flags. Uh, Brett, let's hear your take. Tua to the Raiders just got me very excited. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. I'm on that bandwagon. I'm, I'm There's just something about Tua in the in the black and white. That <laughs> Tua running, black and silver. running that bootleg black and silver, on a John me. Gruden offense in Vegas. In the Death Star? Yeah, yeah that death ball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's nice. That is sick. That stadium is really it's nice. Cool. All right, but for real, I like Tua. I don't love Tua. I think he has durability problems. I yes, think absolutely. His, his biggest problem is he's going to need to learn how to take a hit. Mm-hmm. I think every time you see Tua get hit in college, it looks like he just got into a car accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's something he's really going to have to learn. I think a lot of people compare him to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson knows how to get down. He knows how to stay safe. That man never gets hurt. Yeah, that's him. right. That's right. That's I think that's going to be Tua's biggest issue i think he's a great leader i think he has tremendous arm ability and my other problem with him would be he's gonna go to a team that's not the town of alabama as compared to 
the rest of the conference and the rest of the teams in college football. Agreed. That's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Is he as good as we really think he is, or does he have three top three-round wide receivers on his team? Is he just another Alabama quarterback? Yeah, I mean, but I look at the Raiders. I also say they have they have two first-round picks. So they can go. Uh, you're in. getting me really excited over here for two of the Raiders, right? Yeah, I'm actually liking this take a lot. <laughs> it's a possibility. It's a possibility if he does fall. But again, I think number five, the Dolphins, wouldn't yeah. surprise me uh, one bit. I was going to ask, who do you guys? Where do you guys think he's going to go to? I think I think he still goes to the Dolphins, but there are too many red flags for me. Yeah. Where if I were in Miami's spot. I would not be taking Tua at five. I think with the amount of picks Miami has, they will end up taking him, and I think they should. Yes, that, that's a that's a fair take. If they're taking him in the late teens at that seventeen or that yeah, with the eighteen or the twenty spot, wherever they have in the late teens, uh, that's fine. Yeah. If they take him at five, that's okay too because they have those backup picks where they can say, you know what, we're not getting him at the later round spots. Uh, we're going to take him here. And then we'll see what's there at the later team spot. I can see That's them fine. like taking their five pick, taking whoever they get, the most talented player, and then probably I'm gonna imagine they move up in the draft. Mid-night. They could. That that's also that's, that's also a possibility. That's usually what happens with quarterbacks anyway. Just thank God he declared. Because if he didn't, I would actually wanna have some kind of study done or a documentary filmed about how all of Nick Saban's players have Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> and they really think that he is their Lord and Savior, and they owe him their lives. Because this is a guy whose entire future is ahead of him right now, and going to the draft is the financial move for him. If Nick Saban convinced him to come back, like that was a good move for his career, there was some serious problems going on yeah, in Alabama. We've yeah. seen college, too, I feel like, for like four years now. We really That's how it yeah. feels. Yeah. It feels yeah. like it. I just want to see him in the NFL at this point. I've been waiting for like two years for him. Honestly, I mean, I tell you, I mean, I look at this quarterback class that's coming in. There's those top four guys: Burrow, Herbert. Fromm, you guys really Tua. like Jake Fromm. I do. Yeah, I, didn't I like him a lot. I love him. Jake Fromm. I don't. I, I could care less more. about Jake Fromm. I want to get into this more because I didn't see He's anything I like from Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm this season. I want to get the stats together and have a little bit better of a discussion on this because yeah. I really don't think he's the guy. I, I don't. Think, I think he is oh, a guy from I, the eye test. Just based off an eye test of me watching him play, I've never been like, wow. And that South Carolina game they lost this season, he looked terrible. Oh, well, the, without a doubt, the entire Georgia team looked terrible this year. Yeah, but, there's no denying that. I, I agree with you. No, but that 100%. Georgia team is still an SEC top level team. Like that's a really good college football team. If you think about the compared to the teams they're playing, compared to the talent they have in that roster, compared to South Carolina, and still not being able to get it done. Like a, a SEC quarterback, if you want to be the guy in the NFL, I want to see an SEC quarterback be like next level because some of those teams are playing with are ridiculous. Well, he didn't have to be next level when the majority of the game plan for Kirby Smart and Georgia this year was you're either running the ball with DeAndre Swift or you're dumping it off five yards and letting DeAndre Swift take it for 25 more. But I think in that South Carolina game, he must have had, it was upwards of 40 attempts. For, yeah, it was. For and like he less than good. 50% complete. He didn't look good, no. So that's just something that I want yeah, to point out. No, I, I got you. I definitely, yeah. I've seen Jake Fromm play well. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think, think he's a consistent enough guy to say that he's without a doubt better than a Tua. I no, think you you no, get him you get him in a pro style offense, and I think that the sky's the limit with proper coaching, proper tools that are NFL ready. That you, I think, if you take him and you put him as the heir to Philip Rivers in Los Angeles with the Chargers, oof. That's a hell of a situation to drop. Some That's wow. It's probably going to be Herbert, but still, you yeah. put him even in in Tampa Bay with the Bucks. 
and you bring Jameis Winston back for a year. That's even a great spot. You're putting Jake Fromm with O.J. Howard, Cameron Brake, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. You want to teach him how to throw a 30 fix? And <laughs> I don't know if uh, Jameis Winston's any kind of Jedi master. I don't think he's going to be passing no, on. I know hey, Jameis is a friend of the podcast. He could definitely show you how to air Certain it out. So where are the Patriots drafting right now? 23? Uh, higher? A yeah. little higher? A little lower? I want to say it's they 20. They'll be in that area. It's going to be in there. 23. You think Bill's got something up his sleeve to move up for one of these Qs? Oh. Uh, that wouldn't be a built thing to do, so I wouldn't think. I don't think so. You think it wouldn't be a built thing to do? It wouldn't be a built thing. To do. Hey, but the Patriots are in a weird transition. I want to go through the season and look at all the uh, non-power five conference twenty-third pick. Twenty-third pick. I'm, yep. I'm really eager to look through the non-power five conference best quarterbacks this season. Someone who's slipping under the radar right now. But the Patriots are eyeing for like the fourth or fifth round. It's like someone out of the MAC. Some MAC or yeah, like uh, Central maybe, Michigan even guy. Like Sun Belt or something like something ridiculous like that. Something you wouldn't expect that no one else is watching these games. Well, Bill Belichick has watched every single one of these kids' games this season. And the Patriots exactly did take an SEC quarterback last year. They took Jared Stidham. No, I. I, I get but that. you just want to see some random obscure. Quarterback, you want to see how go to the Patriots and turn into a star. If if Tom Brady's not yeah. the quarterback next season, go watch some highlight tape on whatever quarterback the Patriots draft this season. <laughs> I'm just telling you that right now because it's going to be some guy that Sports Center's looked over too because his his team doesn't generate enough views, and it's going to be some guy who's slinging dimes and no one's even talking about. Or it's going to be Jared Siddham, and we're going to watch the Patriots win five games next year. I just yep. I don't think it's Jared Siddham. Yep, exactly. And they go with Trevor Lawrence. That yeah. would be something. Now, that's that's another take I can get on board with. That'd be horrendous. Just the fact that the Patriots drafted Jared Stidham. It's all about the long game with Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. He's been he's five years ahead of yeah, us. He's, he's maybe even more than that, yeah. honestly, the way he yeah. thinks. If he really drafted a quarterback that he could put in there just to look nice and lose some games with grace, just to get that first pick the year of Trevor Lawrence, oh, my God. That would be just like, – yeah. I would love that. That would be – Something and that would be that would be confirmation that Bill Belichick is in fact a dark lord, for 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 sure, for sure. I would agree with that. All right, so the next thing up on the dais, uh, Mike McCarthy hired by the Dallas Cowboys. Before I give my Cowboys centric take on it, I just kind of want to hear what everyone has to say first on what this hiring does for them. Is there are they hot on it, cold on it, uh, Tim? Um, I mean, for me, it was really. The Cowboys were a bit of a wild card about who their coach was going to be this season. There's a lot of talks about college guys. Then there were some talks about, I know they were interested in Ron Rivera before he yeah. ended up going to the Redskins. Uh, but once it came out that the Cowboys were interested in a proven NFL head coach already, there was really only one option for him this season, and that was yeah. Mike McCarthy. So I'm not too surprised. I think it's a solid hire. I said he was probably one of the best candidates left after Ron Rivera. So, I mean, good on the Cowboys. Let's see what happens in the future. I have some statistics for you. Then I'm going to wait for your take, just so okay. I can rain on your parade after. Um, that's all I really have to say, though. I think it's a solid hiring. Well, I thought it was also interesting, before I go to Brett, that the Cowboys also supposedly uh, checked in on both Mike Zimmer and Sean Payton, but were told that it was going to take a absolute haul to get them. So that's when they went and they settled for McCarthy. I mean, that's Jerry Jones getting them. Getting the name out there. Of just, course. Just stirring the pot. Just of like course. That's that's the it. entertainer. It's the entertainer in Jerry Jones. Uh, Brett? I just look at him as a, a little bit of a better Jason Garrett. I'm not too impressed with this hire. He's not an emotional leader. He was a solid offensive coach a couple years ago. Recently, he's fallen behind, I think, as far as creativity with the rest of the league. And I think this is a whole thing to just keep Jerry Jones in charge. 
Mike McCarthy's not an alpha guy. He's going to listen to what Jerry has to say. He's going to do what Jerry wants to do. And it's just, I think he's a better coach than Jason Garrett, but I don't think you're improving too much here. Mm-hmm. He's coached a Super Bowl team, but he's Jason Garrett with a little more of a playoff resume and a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that's okay. I mean, Greg, I want to hear what you got to say first before I, uh, before I go. I would say it's just a very Dallas Cowboys hire. They weren't. They were never going to take a shot and you know try to find the next uh, Sean McVay, the next Matt Lafleur. You knew they were going to try to go find someone that was old and boring. You know, Mike McCarthy to me, as long as his quarterback doesn't turn on him and tries to get him fired, he'll be okay. You know, he, you'll never win a Super Bowl with him. You know, and you got to realize that. But he just he he kind of bored me. I didn't really want him as a Giants head coach. The more I thought about it, I was like, okay, great. He'll just abandon the tight end. He'll abandon the run. He'll just hope that his QB bails him out when he calls, like, a certain type of play. Is he a step up from Jason Garrett? Oh, 100%. You know, I think Jason Garrett was just stale. Not saying much. I think that entire Cowboys coaching staff was pretty stale. And, you know, to the amount of untapped potential on that roster right now, who knows? Maybe he can, you know, break them out of that, like, this little slump that they've been in. But I just can't see them winning while Jerry Jones is in charge of the Cowboys in the capacity that he is and with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. But that's just me. I think I agree with – I sprinkle a little bit in every single one of your points, and I agree with some of it. Um, For me, this is all about one guy, and this is about Dak. This is is a Dak hire, 100%. And Dak is going to get re-signed by this team. There's no question about it. The one thing that sort of intrigues me with McCarthy – is there was a feature that I had saw on NFL Network earlier today where over the, the course of him not being in the league, he had done a whole coaching session that he does with a few other unemployed coaches out of his house in Wisconsin. And they have spent pretty much the entire season studying in-game trends and season trends about how the league has changed since they have been out of the league. And one of the things that this feature went to and started to divert towards was what Mike McCarthy looks for in a quarterback. And he had all sorts of practice film of Joe Montana when he was with the Chiefs, when he was the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. So, and one of the things that he was looking at with them was footwork and saying that you could have the best arm that God has ever given any other human, but if you don't have the footwork as a proper NFL quarterback, you're useless. And I think there have been times where we can all say that Dak's footwork and his overall presence on the field, some decisions that he makes, especially when protecting the ball, carrying the ball, has not been good. He has been very loose when he tries to run with the ball or dangle the ball out. So that's shit that Mike McCarthy's going to have to clean up with Dak, for sure. The other thing that definitely got me was people all of a sudden souring on Zeke and saying that, oh shit, here comes McCarthy. This is going to be a throwing football team. Here we go. But you look at the running backs that McCarthy worked with in Green Bay. You're talking about guys like Eddie Lacy. You're talking about guys like James Starks. You're talking about guys like Ryan Grant. Those are all nowhere near the level of Ezekiel Elliott. And you look at the offensive line that now Mike McCarthy is going to have to work with pending he hires his own coach. I've heard that Mark Colombo 
maybe going back to Dallas as the offensive line coach. That would be good. Get some continuity there. I think Zeke is going to be used just as much, if not more, because the whole thing with Mike McCarthy is just having a sustained flowing offense. And if the offense is going to flow with the running game, then that's how it's going to flow. It doesn't mean they're going to be passing you know, 35, 40 times, but if it calls for that, it's going to call for that. And Mike McCarthy is going to go with the flow of the game. That's how he was in Green Bay. He tried to run the ball a ton. It just didn't work. But the one thing that McCarthy absolutely needs is a strong defensive coordinator in place. He is an offensive guy. He wants nothing to do with the defensive side of the ball. Reportedly, the guy is Mike Nolan, former San Francisco 49ers head coach, hired Mike McCarthy when he was in San Francisco, and now the roles are reversed. McCarthy is hiring Mike Nolan. He was the linebacker coach for the New Orleans Saints. That is great, great, great news for Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, who should definitely get better. And my last point with McCarthy is the biggest complaint that he had in Green Bay was that he never had the proper talent in place on both sides of the ball. Now he's got that. He's got that. We talked about this on the show, I believe, two or three weeks ago when we had said that the Cowboys on paper probably have one of the top five teams in the league just based on talent that you just write out, done, you look at all these guys and say, okay, very talented, very talented, very talented, 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 talented. Cowboys have a top five team, but you need someone that's going to be the captain of that ship. And if McCarthy's good the guy, then great. I, I like the hire. Is it a, like an A-plus hire? No. But is it a C-minus, D-plus hire? No, it's probably like a B hire with potential for, for more. Act. I actually kind of like it. And he's not Jason Garrett, thank God. That's number one. And... Number two, I think that he doesn't need you don't they didn't need a guy to be a rah-rah leader. Would it have been nice? Sure. But they don't they don't need that. They need someone with experience, a guy who knows how to win football games, and Mike McCarthy has proven that he does. He's got a Super Bowl ring to his merit, and he's gonna come in there and hopefully win one with Dallas. Last six seasons. Go ahead. Mike McCarthy, fifty one wins. Jason Garrett, fifty six. Just wanted to point that out. No, it's that was interesting. Worth noting. It's interesting. Uh, they're also the records, maybe not year by year, but as far as looking at all of them, they're about the same in their performances. They've had the same ups, the same downs. I'm curious. I'm not saying he is Jason Garrett, but I'm just curious because he's not like he's someone who's far beyond what Jason Garrett did. He's different. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, the Cowboys it, is that he's different. I, I will see how he is after next season. If if there is minimal improvement from this team, then that's a very good point. That maybe he is just Jason Garrett. And as Brett said, he's just another pawn in the chess game for uh, for Jerry Johnson. Yeah. No, but if, I mean, if this team can win the division, they could be a 10-win team, 11-win team. Then we have something. And Mike McCarthy, we can say maybe that Jerry Jones got this right. So do you think that a Mike McCarthy... Coach Dallas Cowboys could be a fully healthy Philadelphia Eagles? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah I think so. I'd agree with that. And that's, not, that's not saying much. I would hope. I mean, yeah, I would hope. I just hate the Eagles, but I mean. Yeah, true. Yeah. But uh, no, I was just curious to see what you said. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think they could. I think they could, and we're going we're gonna to find out. I mean, hey, I really, I really do want to see Jason Garrett get hired by the Giants. That would make my life. There's no way. Hey, There's I, no way. That would make my know. life. They're, they're too forward thinking right now. I think they got four. I hope so. They got computer guys. 
I really hope so. I really, really hope that they are too forward-thinking. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be playing The Feud. So definitely stay tuned for that. We'll be right back here on the Basement Talk podcast. Everyone, welcome back, and it's time to play the feud. It is the family feud, just to be clear for all our listeners at home. Yes, the family feud. So, over here in the red corner, we have which? What's the name of your family, uh, Greg and Matt? What's the name of your family? I'll be at Birdsall tonight. Oh, you'll be an honorary yeah, Birdsall. I'll be an okay. honorary Birdsall. Okay, do, I'll be better than you are. So that's alright. Oh, wow. <laughs> than me? No, than him. That's <laughs> insulting. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's not, insulting. not than you. No, we're good. We have Greg and Matt, and in the other corner, we have the, what is the name of your family? Uh, we are Team DaBaby. We are Team DaBaby. We are the DaBaby family. A.K.A. Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Okay. Gentlemen. Can I just say... Go ahead. You're a terrible Steve Harvey. What would you like me to do? You want me to go get my, uh, shave my head and you want me to go get a suit on or something? I wonder what has more hair, Steve Harvey's upper lip or your mullet. <laughs> That's insulting. That's bad radio. The fans at home can't see it. That's a beautiful mullet here. That, thank you, Tim. We'll drop a picture for the uh, podcast yeah. picture this week. Absolutely. Mike Gundy, watch out. Ed's on your, on your mullet tail. Damn straight. Damn straight. Okay. Here are the rules, gentlemen. I will ask a question. When you have your answers, say your name to answer. Do not slam the table. I'm glad we cleared that up because I was curious. If slam you the slam the table, you will automatically be disqualified from the round and the other family will have the choice to pass or play. And I got weapons near me. Some ping pong you balls. You have to pay for Matt's eardrum surgery if you do slam the table. That's correct. What yes. names are we saying? Are, are family names? No, you're names? saying your own personal name. Are so you? when you want to answer the they question, you say Brett. Say baby. Yes. To let the, let the listeners know on who's talking. If your answer is number one on the board, you have the automatic right to pass or play. If your answer is not number one, the other team who did not buzz in has the opportunity to better your answer. If they better it, they get the choice to pass or play, just like regular Family Feud. Okay. Two strikes, and the other team gets a chance to steal. Best two out of three rounds wins at the end of the second round. We have a little bit of little bit of a twist if needed. Gotcha. How much time are we going to get after we say our names to answer? You get about. I'll give you about seven or eight seconds. Okay. Give or take. So, uh, families, please uh, please converse. Who would you like to be the first up for the showdown round? Okay, so we have Matt and we have Tim up for the first showdown round. Gentlemen, would you like to shake hands and, and, and greet each other? Pleasure. This is wonderful. Pleasure. Wonderful wonderful show of sportsmanship. Okay, we have the top eight answers on the board. Here we go. Name the players with the most all-time Premier League assists. Producer! Go ahead. Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard is the number four answer. So, Tim, you have an opportunity to steal. 
Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney is on there as the number three answer. Wow. So you now have the opportunity to pass or play. We're going to pass. You're going to pass. Interesting. Uh, Steve, how many players are on this list? Uh, eight. It is the top eight. So two of them are gone. There are six remaining, so you're going to pass. So we come to Greg. Greg, what do you do for a living? What's that? What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an attorney. Oh, that's wonderful. In training. Attorney in training. Everybody. That, that's wonderful. Yeah. Lo- love, to, love to hear it. Great, great man. Great, great voice in our society. Uh, name the players with the most all-time Premier League assists. I'm going to have to go with Ryan Giggs. That is the number one answer. Ryan Giggs. Off the board. Okay. Producer, name the players with the most all-time Premier League assists. Um, I'm going to have to go to another Manchester United boy. I'm going to say Wayne Rooney. (coughs) (coughs) He was already said. He was already said, my friend. They said it. Come on. They said it as number three answer. I do do apologize. Uh, Greg, you are up now with one strike. Name the players with most all-time Premier League assists. There are five remaining. I'm going to have to go with David Silva. David Silva is on there. He is the number seven answer. Matt, you are up again. Name the players with the most all-time Premier League assists. My brain folded before. I meant to say this guy, Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard is on there with 92. So you have three left. You have the number one answer. You have the number five answer. And you have the number seven answer. All on there. Greg, name the players with the most all-time Premier League assists. There are three choices left. I'm three gonna, seconds. I'm going to go with... Um... Oh, God, this is a tough one. I don't... I can't... Okay. All right. The baby family, you have a chance to steal? All right, this is a very amateur Premier League answer of us. Okay. We are amateur fans. We do not know his first name. Okay. Manchester United, the guy named Scholes. Paul Scholes. Oh, Scholes. Paul Scholes. Scholes. Paul Scholes. Ah! <laughs> and the Birdsall family wins the round. The correct say. answer is that we were looking for number two. All, t- all time. On the Premier League assist list, number two, Cesc Fabregas with 111. Number five on the list, Dennis Bergkamp with 94. And number number eight on the list, James Milner with 84 Premier League assists. I was going to say, James Milner. He's number eight. He's number eight. Shout out to James Milner. James Milner. Damn. What a guy. What a guy. Okay, we are on to question two. So, Tim and Matt, you are out of the showdown round. It is time for Brett and it is time for Greg. So, remember, gentlemen, do not slam the table. Nice show of sportsmanship. Love to see it. Do not slam the table. Okay, top eight answers on the board again. Name the players in the 2019 NFL season with the most receiving yards. Greg. Right. I heard Greg first. I heard Greg first. You did? Okay. Yeah, sportsmanship. All right. Sportsmanship. Go ahead. Uh, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is the number one answer. Would you like to pass or would you like to play? We're going to play. They're going to play. Okay. Brett, you can't answer every one of them. Just saying. Of course not. No, I'm looking for I'm looking for cheating here. Can I help your family? 
Okay. So, Tim. I'm up. Name the players in the 2019 NFL season with the most receiving yards. Number one is off the board. DeAndre Hopkins. One strike. What is this, the top ten? Top eight. Top eight. Top eight. Oh. But I, I got what I said. Am I on the clock? Yeah, Brett, you are on the clock. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is on there. He is the number four answer. So now we have six remaining. Tim. Name the players in the 2019 NFL season with the most receiving yards. Oh, we can talk, right? No, you cannot. I thought they talk on the show. No, absolutely no, not. No, they don't. No, that's if we're Greg and Matt could be talking oh, for right stealing. now. Yes, yeah, for stealing, they can they can converse. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is correct. He is the number three answer. Brett, Mike. name the players in the 2019 NFL season with the most receiving yards. DJ Moore. What? We have Greg and Matt looking to steal. Gentlemen. Do you want me to do this? Name the players in the 2019 NFL season with the most receiving yards. Matt for the win. Number two, Julio Jones. Ding, 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 ding. Julio Jones is correct. Bummer. Now, for the rest, we have Devontae Parker at 1,202. (laughs) My guy. Keenan Allen at number six with 1,199. Kenny Galladay at number seven with 1,190. Gross. And Amari Cooper at number eight with 1,189 receiving yards. So, you guys win the game. Congratulations. Now, I want to play the third round. But, I will give you the choice. One Would second. DJ Moore was number nine. Yeah, I'm, yep. just, I'm just going to put Sorry, that top out eight. My, Sorry about my, that. My credibility. Sorry. Sorry about that. The participation trophy. Yeah. <laughs> you get a ribbon. <laughs> you get a ribbon. <laughs> there it is. So, gentlemen, we'll play the last round, but you will pick the category. I have two. I have two uh, out there. Would you like Major League Baseball or would you like music? They take the time to converse. They're going to look it over. They're going to see what they want to do. Oh, they're still they're still talking. This is a lack of communication between this family. Steve? Yes, sir. Give us the music. The music it is. Okay, so now the two families can come together and me. they can talk about who they would like to represent them in the bonus round here. You guys have already won, so congratulations. Okay. Tim, you're going? I'm taking it. All right. Tim and Matt, here Tim, we go. You can't win it all? Nope. Wow. Nope. No, they, they swept. It was two out of three. Two out of three. Oh, it was just a, it's oh, already oh, done. You didn't have a point system here? Yeah, there was a point system. Fair enough. That's fair. Here we go. Top six answers are on the board now. According to Rolling Stone magazine, name the most highest selling bands or artists of all time. Producer. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin is number five. So Tim now has an opportunity to steal. Rolling Stones. Ah, not on there. We're going to play, Steve. Would you like to play? Okay, wonderful. Greg. Yes. According to Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone magazine, name the most highest selling bands or artists of all time. Uh, I'm going the Beatles. The Beatles are the number one answer with 183 Dude, million uh, units. I suck. 
Number one answer, gone. There are four left. Matt, according to Rolling Stone magazine, name the most highest-selling bands or artists of all time. There are four remaining. I'm going to go with Michael Jackson. Ah, not on there. Bummer. Are you fucking me? Not on there. <laughs> Greg. Hey. Name uh, the most highest-selling band or artist of all time, according uh, to Rolling Stone magazine. There are four left. I'm going to go with The Who. Ah, Bummer. Not on there. So... This family has a chance to steal. And still lose. And still lose. Playing for pride. They're, pl- they're playing for pride. They're playing for pride. This is week 17. This is week 17 championship. All right, Steve. Go ahead. Queen? Nope. This not, sucks. Not on there. This game sucks. So we have number two is Garth Brooks at 148 million units. Yeah. Number three... Only he would know that. Number three <laughs> is Elvis with 146 oh. and a half million units. Oh. Died on the toilet. Number four <laughs> is the Eagles with 120 million units. That was my next guess. And you number guess six is Billy Joel with 84 and a half million units. Wow. Four people from Long Island. We kind of botched that one. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Sorry. Would you guys like to play the third one just for fun? The fourth one? The fourth one? It's, it's Major League Baseball. I oh, think we've had enough of this game. I think we've had enough. They don't want the smoke. Wow. All right. Let's play. All right. All right, fine. Yeah, you said that. We have to play. Okay. You got to win one. This, this one is it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. If you get two of them, I'd be very surprised. I didn't know this one. I didn't know them either. Oh, great. No, they're good. Okay, so uh, Matt and Tim played, so Greg and Brett, you're on. Okay. Top five answers on the board. In Major League Baseball, Name a player that hit the most home runs last season. Greg. Uh, Nelson Cruz. Ah. Brett. Jesus Christ. Five seconds. Oh, Four, my. Three. Two. I have no idea. One. Ah. Matt. Uh, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is number four uh, on the list. Tim, you have a chance to steal. Um, Christian Yelich. No. What? Wrong. He was hurt. Yeah, in like yeah. the last four games of the season. Not the whole season. No, he, didn't he get hurt in like August? Yeah, he was hurt in August. Yeah, he broke his kneecap in August. Yeah. He was out for a month. Or like July. Wait, what's his top ten? Top, top five. five. Oh. Top five. Yeah, okay. that's why I was throwing off. So, Birdsell family, you get to choose again. Would you like to pass or would you like to play? Let's play. We'll play. You'll play. Okay. So, Greg, in, the ma- in Major Leagues, Major League Baseball, name a player that hit the most home runs last season. The mo- like, I have to name the player or, like, the top five? It's top five. Oh, there are four uh, answers left. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo is correct. The oh. number one answer. God damn it. With yeah, 50, I blanked on that With one. 53. Matt, in Major League Baseball, name a player that hit the most home runs last season. Mike Trout. Mike Trout is correct with 46 home runs. Now we get to the two. That get a little tricky. Greg, in Major League Baseball, name a player that hit the most home runs last season. There are two answers left. I know one of them. I can uh, I can give I can give you their no, no I won't say no, anything. No, I won't no, say anything. No, no, no. no, I won't say anything. Um I wanna say Joey Votto. <laughs> Matt. Josh Ayo. Bell. <laughs> nope. Oh man. Tim, Brett, name a player that hit the most home runs last season. There are two possible answers. Osuna. <laughs> Incorrect. Hey, we were looking. We were looking. We were looking for <laughs> Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. 
We were looking for Eugenio Suarez from the Cincinnati Reds oh. with 49. Oh, I had the Reds. So. And Jorge Soler from the Kansas City Royals with 48. That was fun. That was very enjoyable. We should play this game again sometime. Fun by what measure? Or we should play, we should play Jeopardy. We should play Jeopardy. Everyone needs to watch uh, The Greatest of All Time tomorrow for uh, for Jeopardy. Oh, tomorrow? Fuck. Tomorrow night, 8 tomorrow o'clock. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. No free ads. Wow. No free ads. No free Abs- ads. Absolutely not. But for Trebek, we'll make an exception. He's a great guy. Great guy. He's a great guy. Uh, gentlemen, any uh, any last words? I hate uh, Family Feud. Me too. Family Feud's a great game. It's a great game, but it hates me. It's a great game. So I would like to uh, thank everybody for listening to the Basement Talk podcast. Thank you to our counsel, our lawyer, Mr. Greg Olson, for uh, coming on. Hopefully the FCC doesn't find us, and hopefully uh, anybody who administers the bar exam doesn't find this podcast. It's true. <laughs> thank you for having me. Of course, and thank you to our producer, Matt Bertzel. Matt, you are a lovely addition. Arigato, arigato. And thank you to my co-host, Tim Brady, Brett Mayer. Gentlemen, as always, it has been a pleasure. Saying goodnight from the basement, I am Ed Bertzel, and we will see you next time. See ya.